You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. <sighs> awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Good. Um, sweet. So yeah, whenever Brandon came to me, uh, it was probably a few months back and he was like, hey, this is what we want to do. We want to have you come on a Sunday morning and, and preach and that's how we're going to license you. I only had one concern and I, I looked and I said, Brandon, I, I only have one concern here, buddy. Do I have to wear skinny jeans like you do every Sunday? <laughs> and he told me no. So I'm up here in my normal slim fit pants. Okay. They're not skinny. Um, this is normal. This looks good. Uh, not that Brandon doesn't look good, but We'll just leave it at that. Um, no, but awesome. I'm so thankful uh, for, for this opportunity and just honestly blessed. Like Brandon said, I have been uh, coming to Southcrest for quite some time. I think fourth grade was when my bro, Levi Ferris, sitting right there, invited me to come to church with him. Um, and so I came... Shortly after that, uh, my parents came and we became members. And like Brandon said, I met him my eighth grade year when we had uh, faux hawks together and mine was purple and his was just normal colored. So mine was better. Um, but there have just been so many things growing up in, in, in this church and in this community that have just blessed me. I've been able to to learn from so many people, whether it was my, my 10th grade boys, uh, Bible study, wherever Brant O'Hare is shout out Brant O'Hare, um, just being faithful and just loving on some really tough 10th graders. I, I even see Patrick who he grew up in that high school group and middle school group with me. And, and I can see all of these people here that have had such great effects on my life, throwing it back to even Delia Maddox, right. Who is just so faithful and has been able to love on me and, and show me, the goodness of God, right? Garrett Gregory, some of you guys might remember him. He was one of the first people who really challenged me to walk out real life faith. Somebody who really pushed me not to just go through the motions and not just to come on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and sit there on the back row, but actually come and, and push it and see uh, what this Christian thing is all about. Right. If it wasn't for Southcrest, I would have never met my wife, Becca, who is way cooler than I am. So if you uh, think I'm cool, you should think Becca is way cooler than me because um, she is. But without Southcrest, we, we wouldn't have met. Right. We wouldn't have met and became friends and dated and got married. Right. And so there is so much that I have to thank Southcrest for. Even Brandon did our wedding uh, when we got married back in October. Um, and we had so many of our friends and family from this community that were there with us to celebrate our big day because that's exactly what you guys are, is our family. And so we just want to thank you guys so much. Um, you guys in this church have been so influential on our lives um, and on my life as an individual. And to get out of the sentimental stuff, um, we're going to get in to, to what we're talking about today. Because um, I'm not much of a crier, but I don't, I don't know if it would make me cry or not. Um, but let's jump in anyway. Um, so have you guys ever said the, the term, this changes everything, right? You um, have seen something happen or like yesterday, me and, and Cole and a bunch of the journey guys went and played paintball, um, which was awesome. And like, I have like big, huge bruises all over my body. It was great. 
Um, but we were playing, right? And we just rented the normal guns that they give us that like weren't very good. Like if you're shooting 10 yards, you have to aim five feet above the guy. So it drops because they don't come out that fast. But something happened and our private party ended up having to get merged with another party. And these guys were legit right? They weren't just like out there, a bunch of random college schmucks that were out there to have a little bit of fun, but they had on like uniforms and like custom face masks with like tint that you couldn't see their eyes. So they just looked intimidating. They had electronic paintball guns, which I didn't even know were a thing, right? And so they were out there and they just annihilated us, but it was fun. They were good guys, but they annihilated us. And at one point, we were going to play another game with them. Um, and one of our buddies, I don't know if he's here today, but one of my buddies, Blake, was like, man, I don't want to play with you guys again. You guys got those guns. And he was like, oh, well, here, you can use my, my paintball gun. And so he was like, are you sure? And so Blake, you could just see after that game that Blake's eyes lit up. And he said, this changes everything, right? This paintball gun makes a complete difference. He was even talking, I can't remember who, to one of our guys after we played that game. And he was like, hey, the only reason I shot you was because of this gun. I'm not that good. It was because of this gun. So he had the understanding that this changes everything, right? And so that's how, if, if I was to come up here and I was to say, hey, did you guys know that Chick-fil-A said they were open on Sundays now? A couple of you actually might get up and, and leave to go get Chick-fil-A breakfast. Right? You said that changes everything. Chick-fil-A is open on Sundays. I might leave. I don't know. Um, even on a, on a more serious note, a couple... Uh, years ago, I was, I was traveling, I was doing international ministry with a, with a big group of people. Um, and we were in an East Asia country and, and it was a, it's a closed country. So we couldn't go out on the street and evangelize and, and go to church and worship all this stuff. And, and so we would go to these coffee shops in the morning and we would talk to the people there and it was a college town. So we would uh, be able to interact with people because a lot of the college students in this country could speak English. And so we could hang out with them and we could converse. And there was this guy that kept, kept coming back day after day after day. And one of my buddies, Chase, actually went up to him and was like, hey, can I sit with you? Can I talk? And they got to talking um, and he was like, hey, like the, the guy asked Chase, he was like, hey, what? why are you guys here? Like, you guys are American. Why are you in, in my town, in, in this country? What are, you, what are you doing here? And so Chase saw that as an opportunity to say, hey, we are here because of Jesus, right? He got to share the gospel with this guy. And, and, and after the brief moment of saying, hey, I'm actually a Christian. Have you heard of that? He says, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. And, and so he got to kind of share a little bit of his faith. And he said, you know what? Actually, I've been wanting to learn more about Christ, because I have found one sermon on YouTube that has not been blocked for whatever reason. He said, I found one sermon and I've watched it over and over and over again. And it wasn't um, about the gospels. It was, it was about, I can't even remember what it was about. He said, but the pastor kept saying the gospel this. And because of the gospel that, he said, what, what is the gospel? And so Chase shared the gospel with this guy. And he, he looked at Chase and he said, man, that changes everything for me. He had never heard of baptism. And so he asked Chase, hey, you, you were talking about baptism. What is baptism? So Chase told him, he said, man, that changes everything. Because of the gospel that you just shared me, because of what you told me about baptism, we're meeting here tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. and we're gonna go baptize me in the water. Are you okay with that? And Chase said, absolutely. And you guys gotta know something about Chase. He doesn't wake up uh, before noon usually. So this was a big deal for him to get up that early. But he met them there and they got to go and he got to baptize this now fellow brother in Christ because that guy heard the gospel and he said, man, that changes everything 
Why would my life not look completely different after I have heard what the truth is? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the fact that our faith should change everything, right? So that's what, that's what James talks about here in, in chapter 2. Today, we're going to be um, in, it says up here on the screen, James 2, 14 through 26. So really quick, I'm actually going to read that for us, and then I'll pray, and then we're going to jump in. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be super fun, I hope. Um, so I'm going to read it. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So you bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, we thank you for today. Um, man, we thank you for your word and we thank you, um, just for a church like Southcrest that is willing to come alongside, um, somebody like me and just, and just be able to lift me up and encourage me, God. And I hope that I can do the same today and, and just lift up these people here and encourage them, Lord. And, and not through what I say or through what I do, Lord, but through your word and through your Holy Spirit that is coming, um, to, to sit with us today and to worship with us today, Father. So I pray um, that, that you begin working in our hearts what you have for us today, God, that you don't just let us walk out of here unchanged, Lord. Because we know that, that what we read in this, in this book, Lord, that's more than just a book, but we know that it should change everything. Lord, so let us walk out of here with a better understanding of what real life faith is, God. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's grab a quick drink of water. Sweet. And so like I said, that's what James is talking about here in this scripture is what, what is real life faith, right? So real life faith is faith that does. It's faith that loves, that cares, that acts. It's faith that is genuine. Real life faith is, is something that will bleed over into all aspects of our life, right? It's not in a box. It's just over here on the side. And we're like, it's just going to stay right here because that's kind of where my faith belongs. And then the rest of my life is going to be over here and we're not going to combine the two. But no, real life faith is something that bleeds into all aspects of our life. Whenever we read this, it, it kind of might seem like, well, James, what are, you, what are you saying here? Are you saying that that works is what saves us? 
No, James isn't saying that, right? It's a very important distinction here to, to know that James is not saying that, right? That James knows that faith alone saves us. Our good works cannot save us. Our actions cannot be good enough to miraculously one day make it to where we get to be in heaven because we are sinful, fallen, broken human beings, except for Becca, she's perfect. Um, but we believe in salvation through faith, not by works, correct? Correct? Amen. Um, and so, yeah, we even see that in Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of our works done in righteousness. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For you have been saved by grace through faith, not on your own doing, not by your works, right? But a gift from God. So when we read this, we have to, we have to say either James didn't understand the gospel or we are just misinterpreting and misreading what he is saying here. And so in order for us to kind of figure out what exactly he's saying, we're going we're gonna to dive into this scripture a little bit more and we're going to look at what it actually says. And so looking into the scripture, I think that James describes three different kinds of faith throughout these scriptures, right? He, he, he's looking at the people around him. He's, he's looking at his community. He's saying, hey, these are three different types of faith that I'm seeing in the people around me. And those faiths more than likely, I would say, translate over to us today, right? So he's saying, hey, these are the faiths that I'm seeing around me. Let's, let's take a look at what he says. And so in verses 14 through 17 is, is the first faith that I think he is talking about, and that's a dead faith, right? So I'll read 14 through 17 again. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that needed for the body, what is good? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So he's talking about dead faith, right? He says, what good is it if somebody has faith but no works? He even gives us an example of this happening. He says, hey, if you see somebody who's, who's lowly and who's poor and who's struggling and you just look at them and you say, hey, you know what? Go and be filled and be warm. You're, you're not doing anything, right? Go in peace, be warmed and be filled. What, what good is that? But we give nothing. We're not helping. We can't have a non-active faith. We can't have a passive faith that sees things happening and we don't act on it. <clears throat> this would be like you're talking to somebody um, and, and they're a doctor, right? And you, you, go, you go to the doctor's office and you sit down and you're like, hey, this is what's happening. Um, I have a broken wrist. You wouldn't just go to the doctor, you go to the ER. I have a broken wrist. And they're like, ooh, yeah, mm, you do have a broken wrist. All right, well, hopefully that gets better. We'll see you later. And they walk out of the room. You would be so confused. That doctor has the means and he has the resources and he has the knowledge to help you, to fix you. Whether it's a broken arm, he can do surgery for you. Or whether it's an upper respiratory infection, he can give you medicine to fix that. He has the resources, he has the means, he has the ability to help you be healed. And if he just tells you, hey, I hope you start feeling better. We'll see you later. And just walks out. You would be very confused on if that doctor even knew what being a doctor was. You say, man, I don't think he knows what that means. But he went to school for it, right? But he doesn't know what that means. James is telling us that we cannot be like that with our faith. 
we're like the, the doctor in that situation, right? We, we have the means to share Christ with people. We have the means to stand up for, for the oppressed. We have the means to fight injustice. We have the means to help those around us. We have the means to love our neighbor. We have all of those resources. But if we just say, hey, you know what? Sorry about you. I, I can't help you. We're just like that doctor would be. We cannot see injustice and be silent. We cannot see the lost and not share the gospel with them. We cannot see the evil surrounding us in this world, which is every single day all around us, and not act on them as believers, as followers of Christ. We cannot do that. Another thing that James is, is seeing in the people around him um, is, is a little bit harder to, to see um, in, in your community, and it's way harder to see in your, in your faith, in yourself. And that's in verses 18 and 19. It's called knowledgeable faith. So it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. I love verse 19. I feel like James is just talking with some sass right there. He like put like an explanation point on the end of it. He's really uh, getting at them. But he says, yeah, you believe. That's awesome. You do well. The demons also believe, right? Um, And so he said, you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Simply recognizing that God is God is not real life faith. Brandon and I were talking about this the other day and we were talking about how if you go to a restaurant, right? And you see, say you go to to Market Street to the hot bar. Amen. I love Market Street. Um, But you go to Market Street and you see the hot bar of food for lunch, right? And there's fried chicken and there's all this other kinds of stuff. And you're like, ooh, I heard that the fried chicken at Market Street is really, really good. It looks really, really good. Man, I've even had it before and it is really, really good. I'm going to go get a salad. Man, you just talked about all this. You had all the knowledge that the fried chicken is amazing and that it's delicious and that you should eat it, but you didn't act on it. You had all of the knowledge, but you, you had no acting on the fried chicken. That's a silly example, but that's the same way that we are with God, right? Like, man, God is amazing. God, is, he's done this for me. He's done that for me. I'm gonna go try to figure it out on my own. We have all of the knowledge sometimes, but none of the real faith. If you have brain knowledge, but no heart knowledge, right? The old saying, you're 12 inches away. Brain knowledge is not heart knowledge. And again, I want to point out that he said, hey, you believe that's awesome, but the demons do too, and they shudder. Right? The demons know the Bible. We, We see that. We see that in Mark 134. We see that in Luke 4, verses 33 and 34. We see that in Luke 4, verses 41, that the demons knew exactly who Jesus was anytime they saw him. I mean, we had some of those disciples that throughout all of the gospel, they still didn't know who Jesus really was. But the demons immediately saw Jesus and knew who he was, knew what he was capable of, and knew that he was the son of God. But we don't expect to see the demons in heaven with us, do we? Because they had all of the knowledge all of the understanding, all of the theology, but none of, none of the action, none of the, I'm going to give up my life and serve you, God, to back it up. We surely do not expect to see the demons in heaven. They aren't saved by knowledge or acknowledgement, and we aren't saved by knowledge or acknowledgement. 
We can't just know who God is and expect that to be enough without having an affectionate relationship with God, right? And that doesn't mean that all of the time you're going to be in this amazing place with God. No, you're going to walk through rough patches and you're going to struggle and that's okay because that's what being a Christian is. But it, it's, it's another, or it, it's the same thing as this. Like everybody in here probably knows who Patrick Mahomes is, right? Raise your hand if you don't know who Patrick's Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is. Aaron, put your hand down. Don't lie. <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes, if you don't know, um, is probably the most famous person to come out of Lubbock in a very long time. He played quarterback for the University of Texas Tech, broke a lot of records, really awesome. Plays quarterback for Kansas City now, won the Super Bowl, MVP, really big deal, right? So I'd say the majority of us are like, yeah, I know, I know Patrick Mahomes, who he is. Some of us, maybe I even took a class with him, Zach. Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, that's, that's super cool. Maybe you even know his stats. Yeah, well, he threw for this many touchdowns in the Super Bowl and he rushed for this many yards and he won this many games and he is this tall and he has this many siblings. And you might know a lot of information about him, but if he was throwing a party at his house next weekend, I probably wouldn't expect to see any of us there unless somebody here has just a super cool personal relationship with, with Patty. If so, let me know. Um, I want to hang out with him. But I wouldn't expect to see most of us at a party if he was to throw one, right? Because we might have a knowledge of him. We might even know a lot about him, but we don't truly have a relationship with him. And that's what James is talking about here is, hey, you believe, you have knowledge, you have understanding, but you don't have real faith. I know so many people who can sit around a table and hear me out, this isn't bad, but I know so many people who can sit around a table and talk about Armenianism versus Calvinism and post-millennialism versus pre-millennialism and, and all of this theological jargon and be able to talk about that and to know all of this knowledge about it, which is good and fine. But if that's where it ends, that's not real life faith. That's a whole lot of knowledge, more knowledge than I have but that is not real life faith. So we've seen examples of what real life faith is not. What does James say it is, right? So he, in verses 20 through 26, talks about real life faith. And I'll read that. He says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active all along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So there he's telling us that when, when faith and works come together, real life faith is, is formed. Dead belief has no power. He gives the examples of, of Abraham and Rahab, right? <clears throat> Which I think is really cool here is he gives answers on two ends of the spectrum, right? One of them was male and Hebrew and the other one was female and Gentile. So he's saying, hey, real life faith is for everybody. But he talks about Abraham. He says, okay, if you, if you don't know the story really quick. So he had a son at a really old age, had wanted a son for a very long time. And God said, hey, um, actually it's time to offer up your son now to sacrifice him to me. 
Um, and so obviously you can see how that would be a bit of an issue for a father who had wanted a son for so long and for God to say, hey, actually it's time to, to sacrifice him. But Abraham took Isaac and went up on, on the mountain and, and put him down to sacrifice him. And it showed that his, his actions were combined with his faith, right? They formed real life faith. He was justified because of that. And Rahab, she was a prostitute in Jericho. God sent her um, some people and long story short, city officials were trying to come and kidnap them um, to kill them, right? And she brought them into her home and snuck them out of the back window so that they could escape and be free and not be killed. Because she had action to her faith, she was justified. Both of their faiths were justified, justified, not justified, justified by their actions. Their faith was proven, right? So what does it mean to have faith that is justified by works and not faith alone? Justified just simply means that, hey, there is proof that God has been working in your life, right? It doesn't say, hey, works are up here and faith is right here. No, it says, hey, faith is here and because of your faith, you should have works and that justifies, that proves, that shows that there was a seed of faith planted in your heart. It's proof, proof, proof. <laughs> There's proof of our relationship with God. We can't say we have faith and never show that proof. We must combine our faith with our works. Not that works save because we, we I really wanna reiterate that, right? Works do not save, but they reflect what has happened in our heart. Works do not save, but they reflect what has happened in our heart. We must combine our faith and our works. These two examples, they acted on their faith, right? They acted on their belief in God and it changed everything for them. They said, hey, I'm gonna act on this because this faith, this God, this, this God that I believe in and that I follow and that I trust, he changes everything for me. So I'm gonna act on it. I can't take a back seat. I can't sit on the sideline because he has changed everything for me. So I'm going to act on that. And so what is this, this scripture, right? This is all good and, and, and nice to read, but what does it mean for us today? Thousands of years later in a global pandemic still, right? I can't imagine that God would ask any of us to take our son up onto a mountain and sacrifice him. Um, I'm not saying he won't, but I can't imagine that he would do that. But it could mean that God is calling us to do a whole lot of things right now, right? Like sharing our faith, talking to God daily. There, there are things, so many things that scripture has called us to do as Christians. Like I said, sharing our faith, talking to him daily, loving our neighbor well, standing up for the oppressed. All of the above, right? Fighting for injustice, spreading his word, putting others before ourselves. Like I said, this, this book right here, this scripture is chock full of things that God has called us to do in our walk. Man, we, you can't read this and not, not come up with something that you as a Christian are called to do because of scripture. So again, you, you open this up and you, you look at it, it is chopped full of things that we are called to do as believers. 
Good works do not save you, but they prove that a seed of faith was planted. Right? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, again, I I referenced it earlier, but again, it says, for by grace we are saved through faith. And this is not on your own doing, but a gift of God. Salvation is not acquired by works, but it is demonstrated by works. There's a, a theologian who, his name is Warren Wearsby. He says this, he says, any declaration of faith that does not result in a changed life in good works is a false declaration. That kind of faith is a dead faith. True saving faith can never be by itself. It always brings life and life produces good works. Man, if you're sitting in this room today and you're thinking, man, my life has has not produced these beautiful, vibrant fruits that it should as a Christian, right? If you're thinking, man, this faith, this God that I believe in has not changed everything for me. I do not walk a completely changed life because of it. Man, welcome to the party, right? Because that's what being a Christian is. It's constantly slipping and tripping and falling in the mud, right? But, but this, is, this is something um, that I've heard. I, I hear Becca say it all the time. I don't know who, I can't remember who, who told her, right? But it's fine to slip up and to, to be in the mud sometimes and to trip and to fall and to have to kind of dredge through the mud. But what is not okay is to sit and to wallow in the mud, So if you're in that boat today of saying, man, I just haven't been a reflection of what I should be in this. And like I said, welcome to the party. Welcome to the family. So don't walk out of here filled with shame and with your head down saying, man, like I just have a bunch of rotten fruit in my life. It's no, walk out of here with the knowledge of saying, hey, man, it's time to get to work. If you're not a believer in here, This passage was not written about you or for you, but there was something that was written for everyone, right? And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that God, knowing that we as humans were not good enough and, and would not be able to, because we are fallen and broken and imperfect people, that we would never be able to bridge the gap between us and our Father. He sent his son Jesus to this earth who came and was born just like any other child would be born. And he lived a perfect life, right? He made no mistake. He sinned no sin. He did everything that he was called to do. And he died on a cross for our sins with the weight of our sins and our trespasses and our issues on his shoulders. He hung on the cross for that. And when he died, they put him in a tube and tomb, not a tube, in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again, right? And that was for the non-believers in the room. That was for all of us so that we could have a relationship with the father because we cannot bridge the gap on our own, right? We were never able to. We are, like I said, imperfect, fallen, sinful human beings. But Jesus, who came, bridged the gap for us. He bridged the gap between us and the Father. And that is for everybody. Man, if this is something you hear and you want to know more about it, there's going to be people here, whether it's me or Becca, uh, Brandon, Cole, Jack, somebody who would love to talk to you about it afterwards. If, if you even feel just like, 
hey, I just want prayer and encouragement. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have prayer team on each side of the room as we're responding through song that would love to just talk to you and to pray with you and to encourage you guys. Let's break the stigma. I know Brandon has talked about this story, but let's break the stigma that if somebody goes up that everybody else in the room thinks, man, they must be going through a rough patch right now. They really need to get their life together. No, maybe they just want encouragement, right? So be bold if that's what you want. If you want encouragement or maybe you are going through a rough patch, go and ask for prayer. That's what community is for. Man, I would love to talk to you after this if you have questions. I'm pretty sure Becca and I will be back there afterwards. But before I finish, I'd like to leave you guys with just a couple of questions to think on during this response time, um, maybe even to talk with your family uh, around the lunch table later. But what does your fruit look like? Right. What does your fruit look like? Is it browning and moldy and stinky? Or is it fresh and vibrant and tasty? Right. How do you feel that your faith has affected the people surrounding you, right? How do you feel that that fruit has had an effect on your loved ones, on your friends, on your classmates, on your coworkers? How has your faith affected those around you? What steps going forward are you gonna take towards walking in real life faith? So again, just ended with those. Like I said, if you want encouragement, uh, even if it's just like, hey, man, I just, I've been feeling down lately. Can somebody pray for me? Go and ask the team. They, they would love to pray for you. If you would like to figure out, hey, you talk about the gospel there at the end for about 10 seconds, which is not ever enough. You want to figure out more? Man, I would love to talk to you as well. But remember, man, what we read in here, the relationship that we have with God should change everything. It should lead to real life faith. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond uh, through worshiping. Father, we love you. Man, we thank you for, for today. We thank you for your word that even though sometimes maybe it's, it's tough or it's rough or it's hard to hear, or sometimes it's even convicting, and, and that's good. Because without conviction, we would all just live a life of, of craziness, walking around doing things that, that we shouldn't, Lord. So thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for convicting us, God. Continue to stir in our heart as we respond through worship today, Father. We love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.